Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Welcome to the Fantasy Baseball Today podcast from CBS Sports. Oh, and first pitch, crushing! Deep left field! This is Welcome Got a fantasy question? Email fantasybaseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where fantasy now, here's Frank, Scott, and Chris. It's pretty rare to see a starting pitcher pick up 25 swinging strikes in one start, yet we had two of those happen this weekend. Let's get into it. Welcome into Fantasy Baseball today on Monday, August 22nd. I am Frank Sample, joined by Scott White. Today on the show, we did have some massive pitching performances, the return of Dustin May, waiver wire decisions, starter sit, and much more. But Scott... Mm-hmm. I have a random question to start the show, and I know you love these. So, Oh, goody. Yeah, what is it? <laughs> Do you like driving? No, I wouldn't say I like driving. I used to, like, I used to, like, actively dislike driving. Like, I'd dread it, and I'd always try to push it off on other people if, you know, I was going somewhere with somebody else. Uh, and I've, I've grown beyond that. I like it. Eventually I feel like you get to a, a level of comfort with driving where you feel safer being the one in control than being the passenger. Like it's harder to be the passenger, you know, on a stressful driving trip than it is to be the driver. And I, I think I've arrived at that place in the last few years or so. So. Uh, I, I prefer to drive if somebody is to drive normally, but I, I wouldn't say I like driving. I would say that we are probably on the same page here. And for those watching, I'm going to be completely honest. I'm really tired right now, Scott. I drove <laughs> six hours this weekend. I went upstate. Uh, brother-in-law has some property up there. So nice to get away from the city a little bit. But this was like far and away the furthest drive that I have ever done. It was like three and a half hours each way like one day after the next. So it's just, it's a lot, man. And I am tired. We are going to make the most out of the show. Uh, But I just wanted to say, uh, driving long distances, not for me. Don't really like it. Anyway, let's uh, let's talk about some action from this weekend. Oh my goodness gracious. All right, Scott, you have a great player to talk about, but I think we have to start with Patrick Sandoval, who... Probably is the Olive Garden breadstick of the weekend. Just an absolute massive pitching performances. Maybe you take it with a grain of salt a little bit because he's going up against the Detroit Tigers, but he does go the complete game shutout. Four hits, zero walks, nine strikeouts for Patrick Sandoval. 26 swinging strikes on 97 pitches in this one. 12 of those on the slider, five on the changeup, five on the fastball, three on the sinker. He was just absolutely dominant. Didn't walk anyone, which... Is great to see for Patrick Sandoval. The ERA this year is actually very good. 3.14. You can't complain about that. The whip is just an absolute killer when it comes to Patrick Sandoval. 1.40 on the season. He is 63% rostered. He's at Tampa Bay this week, Scott, which is an okay matchup. How much does a start like this push the needle for you when it comes to Patrick Sandoval? Do you think he is the must-add pitcher from the weekend? I don't know about that. I mean, obviously, it was a very impressive start. That that whiff total is kind of what we were expecting from him all season. But it's only happening in late August, you know? And it was against the Tigers is the thing. And and we've seen that, like, we've seen, especially recently, a lot of pitchers with these fake-out performances against the Tigers, specifically when it comes to whiffs. Uh, Michael Kopech comes to mind. Crazy whiff total, total isolated event. He was back to being the guy who's been all year in the very next start. 
but I know there have been a few others too. And, um, you know, the, the pitch selection for Sandoval was pretty normal. You know, it's not like he changed things around. He has like the, just individually the slider and change up and change up, especially have great whiff rates. Uh, so you, you would think, okay, maybe he, maybe he started leaning on those more, but not so much really. I, I think it was just, he was facing the tigers and, and they did tiger things against him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Look, the biggest issue for Sandoval this year, you're right. I like the slider and the changeup are both aw- awesome pitches for him, but he struggles with control so much. Even after this start going a complete game without any walks, he is still averaging over four walks per nine on the season, which is just, again, it, it really, really hurts the whip. It doesn't allow him to typically go deep into starts. This is Patrick Sandoval. Uh, so I, I do really, really like what we saw this weekend, Scott, but I, I am in agreement with you. He's 63% rostered. I, I would look to add him. I don't know that he is a, a must-add. I like the matchup this week. But how does he compare to some other names in shallower leagues that pitched well this weekend? Jesus Lazardo. I was shocked to see just 77% rostered could be out there in some 10 team leagues, maybe some shallower head to head formats, but uh, he had a great start at the Dodgers this weekend, six and a third, one run, seven strikeouts with 17 swinging strikes. He is at the Oakland A's this week. Great matchup revenge game. I think Lazardo will be awesome. Michael Waka, another solid start at the Orioles, five and two thirds shutout with four strikeouts. Johnny Cueto, one out away from a complete game. He now has, Gone eight plus innings in three of his last four outings. The ERA down to 2.58 for Johnny Cueto. And then Marcus Stroman, a big bounce back against the Brewers. Seven and two thirds, two runs allowed, five strikeouts in that one. Uh, he is 70% rostered. So all four of these names, Scott, along with Sandoval, or are at least 63% rostered or higher. Mm-hmm. Um, how does Sandoval compare to this group of four? Yeah, he's tough to place. And I, I should clarify, like uh, another another one of those pitchers who had a big, uncharacteristic swinging strike performance against the Tigers was Aaron Savale recently. And my take on Savale that day was pretty optimistic. You know, between the two, I'd rather have Sandoval. It, I sometimes I feel like this gets kind of lost. Maybe I think it's presumed and should do a better job of contextualizing it. I don't know, but. Uh, you know, generally speaking, the take I give on a player's performance is relative to our expectations for that player. So, you know, our expectations are much lower for Savale. That's why it's, that's why I, you know, have more praise for it when he does well than, uh, you know, when Sandoval does. Because, like, it's, you know, it's going to take a lot more for people to act. You know, it's it's going to take a lot more for people to drop Sandoval than it's going to take for people to add Savali. Anyway, anyway, um, I mean, I think it's a good point though, Scott, on Savali too. Like when we talk about a player like that, he's much more widely available than a Patrick right. Sandoval too. So it, right. it's it's almost we have to do it justice by talking about him more because he's available in more leagues. So yeah. So anyway, I think Luzardo is the mo- is the one to have here, number one on the list for me. Yeah. Uh, especially since he did that against the Dodgers. I mean, that, that made it extra impressive. That's not like doing it against the Tigers. And I, I've, I've really liked since he's come back, he has leaned on his changeup more. He's He hasn't been throwing at that. Uh, remember at the start of the year before he spent the time on the IL with the strained forearm, Lazardo's velocity was like way up and, he was hitting 99 and stuff, and he hasn't really been doing that since he returned. But we still had hope for him even before that big velocity jump because we were like, well, if he just changes his pitch mix, there's a lot of upside here potentially. And, and he's done that since returning three in a row with more than 30% change-ups. His season average is more like closer to 20%. And that's a pitch with better than a 50% whiff rate. So it's a really good pitch for him, and it's nice to see he's – using it more and finding success that way. So Lazardo, I think, is a clear number one here. After him, I'll go Stroman, who I like with the the ground ball rate and the underlying stats like a lot too. Uh, But it's between Cueto and Sandoval, who I'd rank third. Cueto, I've been skeptical of him all season, but he just keeps getting it done. And now eight eight innings or more and three of four, seven innings or more, I believe, in 
five of six, six of seven, something like that. So like a ton of volume. ERA two fifty eight now. And you know, at some point it's just like enjoy it, you know. Even even if there's reason for skepticism, he's been doing it for four months. So no need to overthink it, right? Yeah. So I, I yeah, I think I'll go quite over Sandoval. Sandoval would be fourth on the list and then Michael Waka bringing up the rear. All right. Yeah. Cueto reminds me a lot of it took us a while to kind of warm up to the idea of Martin Perez actually being a viable pitcher in fantasy this year. And yet he's just yeah. done it all season. So uh, Johnny Cueto well, in the same way is, is getting it done. I, I, I think I've used the comparison before to Adam Wainwright. Yep. Who looked like he was done prior to the short 2020 season and then came back with these uh, retro Adam Wainwright performances. And it was really hard to tell why he was succeeding just looking at the underlying numbers, but he's maintained it for like, what, two and a half years now. So yeah, uh, I think Cueto's Cueto is, I'm not going to say he's trustworthy, but he's, uh, you know, he's, he's difficult to doubt at this point. All right. So that was Patrick Sandoval and a whole bunch of other starting pitchers from the weekend. But again, the one we like most is Lazardo from that group. If he's available in shallower leagues, of course. Uh, oh my goodness gracious for you, Scott. Who do you have? I have a guy who's highly available. Jake Fraley had a huge weekend. And really, he's been great ever since returning from the IL. So this... Uh, he homered in back-to-back games over the weekend, both at Pittsburgh, by the way, so not in that small park in Cincinnati, which was part of the reason we liked him at the start of the season. He was going to a very homer-friendly park, and just his home-away splits before then, coming over from Seattle, it looked like that would be a good scenario for him. But yeah, he hit the two home runs over the weekend in Pittsburgh, and now has four home runs in his last six games. Since returning from the IL, 18 games total, he's batting three fifty-seven with six home runs. And I was definitely curious about him again uh, coming back. He, he had a couple decent games early on, was in the leadoff spot a couple times. But I was hesitant to really like put in a claim for him in fantasy because it didn't look like he was going to be an everyday player. Well, the, the last lefty the Reds played, he was in the lineup still. So it seems like he's earning their trust, earning more consistent playing time. Uh on Sunday, he reached base all five times he was up. Three walks, I think a single, and, and then the home run. So, you know, it, it looks like it's all happening. It's all happening like, you know, he was this low-key sleeper coming into the year and uh, didn't work out at the start of the year. It's been a long time on the IL, comes back, and looks like it may be happening for him. Now, the exit velocity actually isn't that great since returning the average exit velocity, but he... You know, he's making it work. By the way, that I've noticed that's true for Vaughn Grissom. Vaughn Grissom's average exit velocity is only like 86 miles per hour, but there's a lot of line drives. There's a big, there's a high pull rate. The max exit velocity is pretty good for Vaughn Grissom. So yeah. just a reminder that average exit velocity, while helpful, isn't everything. Yeah, and I think that's a good point and one that we should make more often. Again, it's an average, so it could be Vaughn Grissom hits one 110 and then the other one is 70 and then we wind up I guess that would bring us to 90 or yeah, 90 miles per hour. But you know, it, it's, it's an average of all the batted balls. So there could be a lot on the lower end that kind of drag it down. But uh, as long as, you know, you are making the hard contact when it counts, that's what we're looking for, uh, for these players. And Jake Fraley, you're right, Scott, you read off the numbers, what he's done since returning these 18 games, the plate discipline really good during that time too. 11% walk rate, 16% strikeout rate. He's getting on base, massive game. Here on Sunday, you mentioned he reached base all five times. He went two for two, the homer, the single, three walks, four runs scored, three RBI. He had a steal as well. 17 fantasy points on CBS head-to-head points uh, leagues. That is just a crazy amount. We sp- uh, spoke about Alex Bregman yeah. on Friday and what he did in that game. So just a really, well, the on, really... Uh, the on-base skills have always been good for Fraley. Yeah. Last year for the Mariners, he reached base at a 352 clip despite batting only 210. So I, I always feel like anytime you can have an on-base percentage 100 points higher than your batting average, you're, you're doing something right. And that was a, 140 points higher. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that that is part of his game. What, what he hasn't done since returning from the IL is steal a base. He, he stole and, one on Sunday. 
Okay, so he yeah. got his first one finally. Yeah, a sock and a shoe. It was just a massive yeah. game. So yeah, okay. a huge so he had one. Ten. He had ten and seventy-eight games for the Mariners last year. So if if he starts contributing that, I mean, it's like I, I feel like you should pick him up in all roto leagues anyway with the five outfield spots. But right. there there's some steals potential there that he hasn't even flashed yet. Okay. Yeah, that was my next question. So. I saw him floating around in a few 15-team Roto Leagues, five outfielders. Of course, you're adding Jake Fraley there, but you think mm-hmm. even in 12-team Roto Leagues, he should be added? Yeah. It, five outfielder leagues of any kind, I feel like Fraley is worth rostering, and I even put in a claim for him in at least one three-outfielder league I'm in. Okay. Uh, how about Jake Fraley versus Lars Newtbar, who is also very hot right now? He went three for three with two walks, and three runs scored on Saturday. And then on Sunday, he went one for three, hit his seventh home run of the season. I do know that he is your sixth favorite sleeper hitter this week, Scott. Who would you rather have, Newt Bar or Jake Fraley? I would rather have Newt Bar, actually. So in his past 32 games, Newt Bar's batting 322 with five home runs, 23 walks versus 18 strikeouts. So Newt Bar... Like I, if I had if if I needed an outfielder in a three outfielder points league, with that walk to strikeout ratio, I I might put in a claim for him. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see in a roto league still prioritizing Fraley because of that potential for for stolen bases, but if that wasn't an especially high priority for me, I, I think I'd prefer Newtbar. He's been he's been uh, doing this for a solid month now, longer even. Yeah, I like both quite a bit, but I will go with Newt Bar as well. Better lineup context, obviously, with the Cardinals. And for Newt Bar, he has been leaning off against right-handed pitching. He's playing every day now. So, you know, earlier on, he wasn't playing against lefties. He is playing against lefties now. He bats ninth in the lineup against them. And then, of course, he leads off against right-handed pitching. So that is Lars Newt Bar. Uh, he's 24% roster. He's got eight games this week. And we do like him over Jake Fraley. But we do like both. Uh, I did want to mention just... An honorable mention here. Oh, my goodness gracious. Tristan McKenzie. I mentioned that there was two starting pitchers with 25-plus swinging strikes this weekend. Patrick Sandoval was one of them. Tristan McKenzie had a career-high 14 strikeouts against the White Sox. He went seven innings, two runs. Those 14 strikeouts to zero walks, 25 swinging swinging strikes. 12 of those came on the curveball, eight on the fastball, five on the slider. Everything was working in this one. And, Scott, we've said it time and time before. When it comes to McKenzie, much like a Josiah Gray, they don't really have great fastballs. I think they need to throw that pitch just to keep opposing batters honest. But when they do throw their slider and curve more, they can be amazing. And that's exactly what we saw from Tristan McKenzie in the start. Yeah, we did. I was going to point out the same thing. Fewer fastballs, more of both the breaking balls. And that should be a formula for success for him just looking at the data. For the year, he's throwing his fastball 57% of the time. That, that is a high percentage of fastballs for somebody who's who has a couple of good off-speed pitches like that. So hopefully this start will in, inspire him to, to continue with that approach. I mean, that being said, he's been great regardless. Past nine starts now for Tristan McKenzie, a 191 ERA, a .85 whip, 9.5 strikeouts per nine innings. I think the Breakout season is happening. Yeah, kind, kind of late to say it now, but I, he's he's given he's faked us out uh, a couple times in the past, and I I don't think he is this time. I either wrote him up as a sleeper or a breakout 1.0. You know, the first iteration we do of those I think is like late January, early February. So it's technically really early on in the draft process. But I I do this whole time, Scott, where I write up a player. And then I just don't draft them myself. I don't. I have no Tristan McKenzie. I don't know how it happened, yeah. but I really liked him, and I just I just didn't get him. So uh, shout out to anyone who did get him. Uh, he's been awesome, and I yep. pointed out all the time his whip. He is one of the best whip contributors since he's come into the league. He gives up so many fly balls that he has a low BABIP, a low batting average against, not as many hits, and ultimately it leads to a really really good whip for Tristan McKenzie. I, I hate when that happens too. I- <laughs> I think it was going into last year. Remember how high I was on Matt Olson, and I didn't end up with him anywhere. And he had that it, the best season of his career. Um, so that was that was frustrating. Do you ever have the, this moment too in drafts where like a player who is your guy and 
Like he's always been your guy. And he's not like a buzzy industry guy, right? He is your guy. Mm -hmm. And then you see somebody else draft him. And you're like, (laughs) you don't deserve him. There's no way you appreciate him (laughs) as much as I do. Yes, yes. Of course, I know the feeling. I look, it happened a lot this year. Uh, Even with like Shane McClanahan and Sandy. You know, I wound up with them in a few spots, but not nearly as much as I wanted. So Uh, I think it's just something we got to do better on uh, moving forward next year. Couple other waiver wire pitchers I wanted to mention. I have a group of three here that's rostered between 22 and 51%, so widely available. Justin Steele now has nine plus strikeouts in three of his last four outings. He was up against the Brewers, six shutout with uh, nine strikeouts to just one walk. He's 51% rostered. He's at the Brewers again this week. David Peterson made his return to the Mets rotation on Saturday. He was at the Phillies, did not have a good start in this one. Three earned runs over four and two thirds. However, did have six strikeouts. And I noticed his velocity was up quite a bit for David Peterson in this start. The problem, he was optioned back to AAA. He should be back later this week. They haven't confirmed that. Technically, they can go with a four-man rotation because the Mets have a day off on Wednesday. So it's just kind of a weird scheduled week for them. Uh, So I don't know if David Peterson will make a start this week. And then Matt Manning now has two seven-inning quality starts since returning in August. I think he has four starts total. Uh, He went seven innings, one run, six strikeouts up against the Angels. His velocity was up in the start as well. So, Scott, how are you uh, ranking these three? Justin Steele, David Peterson, Matt Manning. Uh, Matt Manning's a distant third. Okay, I don't have much interest in adding him. The other two, it's a close call. I mean, David... Peterson was on such a nice run before he lost his rotation spot to Jacob deGrom. Uh, What he was doing to go on that nice run was throwing his best pitch more. He was throwing it around 40% of the time, that pitch being the slider, uh, for those last few starts before, uh, before deGrom bumped him. And in this return start, which didn't go so well, he threw his slider only 26% of the time. So he kind of got away to what he was having success with. And hopefully that's not, you know, it's, it's not a trend. Obviously it's just one start. Hopefully it doesn't become a trend because I think, I think Peterson needs to lean heavily on that slider to have success. So I'm going to put him number one for now in the hope he gets back to that. I, I do think the rotation spot is his and Carlos Carrasco's timeline is, he should theoretically be back before the season's over, but not by much. So mm-hmm. Peterson could have a job more or less for the rest of the season. So I will go with him over Steele, but it's a close call. I mean, Steele obviously has been good lately. This nine strikeout performance on Sunday gives him three of four with nine strikeouts or more, mm-hmm. uh, which is kind of surprising. And, you know, past nine starts, a 147 ERA, 1.2 whip. That's, you know, that, that's some cause for skepticism there. A lot of free passes. But 147 ERA and a 10.8K per nine. That's over his last nine starts. So, Steele and Peterson are close. I think they should probably just both be rostered, you know? Yeah. And then Matt Manning. Look, I, I don't think Matt, Matt Manning is on the same level of these two, but I am encouraged by what we've seen from him recently because, of course, he was a big-time prospect in the Tigers organization and just even before getting called up last year, his numbers just cratered even at, even at AAA, and uh, it looked like he was shaping up to be a total bust. Well, now he's had three straight starts with double-digit swinging strikes. I was holding up two fingers, but it's three straight starts with double-digit swing strikes. He had only done that twice previously in his whole major league career. So that is a step in the right direction. I'm not really sure what's changed for him, but the results are better, and maybe there's some hope for Matt Manning after all. All right, last group that I have here, Scott, waiver wire pitchers, part three. Glenn Otto had a decent start at the Twins this weekend, five and two-thirds, one run allowed. Three walks to one strikeout. I don't know how Glenn Otto's doing it. He has 13 walks to seven strikeouts over his last three starts. It's just a very weird ratio, and I don't know what's going on with him, but he does have a matchup yeah. against the Tigers this week, and we love that matchup, so uh, I think he could be viable. J.P. Sears, another solid outing uh, at the at home against the Mariners. He went five innings, one run, three strikeouts. 
He is going against the Yankees this week. Ryan Pepio had the first quality start of his career against the Marlins. He went six innings, two runs, seven strikeouts, and it looks like he will be at the Marlins again next weekend. It sounds like the Dodgers are, are going to run with this uh, six-man rotation for now. And then Dean Kramer on Sunday Night Baseball had another solid start against the Red Sox. Five and a third, one run, four strikeouts. He is 19% rostered. The problem, he's at the Houston Texans. Houston Texans, man. We are... That would be interesting. We're getting dangerously close to football season, Scott. I think I got to start actually writing out baseball team names because Mm. that's going to happen a lot. (laughs) Anyway, in deeper leagues, Scott, anyone stand out from this group? Otto, Sears, Pepio, and Kramer. Uh, I mean, I I think they're all streamable with with the right matchups. Otto... I feel the worst about because of that that terrible strikeout to walk ratio you pointed out. Uh, I guess call the general instead, not Glenn Auto, <laughs> for your car insurance needs. Um, and Pepio might only get this one. Well, yeah, he might only get this one more turn since they've got six arms now, and Kershaw is, I believe he's starting to throw again, so he may not be. So far from returning. At his age, I don't know what kind of rehab assignment they'd give him. Mm-hmm. Maybe not much of one. So yeah, I, I, I like Pepio has the most upside of this group, I think, pretty clearly. But I just don't think he's long for the rotation with his next start coming against the Marlins. Okay, maybe you, maybe you stream him. It was good to see him get the walks down, and uh, he threw a lot more fastballs, which probably has something to do with it. His fastball is really good, so that may not be a bad strategy for Ryan Pepio. Uh, and uh, JP Sears, like, he's managed to put together an ERA below two so far with these little five inning starts that don't have many strikeouts. So he he might be low risk, but low reward as well. Okay. And just one more name in the deepest leagues. I mean, we're talking AL only. Kohei Arihara is someone who uh, signed with the Rangers last year, and there was some hype around him. He was very bad in the minors this season. He did have a good start on, I think it was Sunday, at the Twins. Six shutout with three strikeouts. He's also going up against the Tigers this week. So in the deepest of leagues, AL only, uh, he is a name that you could look at. Kohei Arihara. Some waiver wire hitter decisions. <laughs> I don't think he's any good, but yeah, he does exist. Yes. I, I have him in the Scott White Dynasty League, so <laughs> I want to pump him up a little bit. So he had his ERA over six yeah. Arihara last year, and even in the minors this year, the, the numbers weren't good. So. No, that I mean that's being kind, Scott. They were very bad in the minors this season. So yeah, four eighty eight ERA, one thirty two WHIP, seven point nine K per nine at AAA. So yeah, Kohei Arihara. I I feel like when you know we get these players coming over from Japan, especially like we're we're not you know, always the numbers look good. They wouldn't be coming over here if the numbers didn't look good. But we're feel it still feels like we're kind of guessing how good they're going to be in the majors, and, and I feel like we usually know right away mm-hmm. if they're going to be good, especially for pitchers. In fact, pitchers seem to be at their very best right away and then get a little worse. Uh, we're talking by, by the nature of the, the thing, we're talking a, low, a small sample, but that's, that is what I've observed with that small sample. So I think we can write off Arihara as being a potential fat, fantasy asset at any point. All right, let's get into some waiver wire hitter decisions. And Scott, I, like there might just be third baseman listening to this podcast because whenever you talk someone down, it seems like they they come roaring back because Alex Bregman has been awesome recently. Alec Bohm, I know we spoke about him last week. Uh, you pointed out how he hadn't been very good in August. In fact, he's been quite bad. Uh, yep. Entering Sunday in the month of August, he was batting 208, which is one home run. But then he goes three for five with a double dong, and he added six RBI in that game. And he's now up to 10 home runs total for the season, which obviously is a very modest total. Uh, but he's hitting for batting average. He's hitting in the middle of a seemingly pretty good Phillies lineup now. 71% rostered. He's got seven home games this week. Who would you rather have? Alec Bohm or Brett Beatty, if you had to choose one? I'd rather have Beatty. I know he's off to, you know, kind of kind of a rough start after that home run in the first at bat. It's such a small sample that it could turn around with one big game, you know? 
Uh, but I like what I've seen. Uh, he's hitting the ball hard, especially when you look at max exit velocity and, and hitting lefties well. I have him as one of my 10 sleeper hitters for this upcoming week. So I think Brett Beatty is still my choice there. Boehm, at his best, he's given you good average, but not much else. The two-homer game brings him to 10 for the year. Obviously not a great total for a corner infielder. So I think he's pretty fringy still. Uh, we did get a question on Twitter today about Mark Hanna, who went three for five with a double dong on Sunday. He added five RBI, and he is 40% rostered. The problem is he's not playing every day. It looks like he sits every third game right now, and you know obviously that affects his value. Where does he stack up against like Newt Barr and Jake Fraley? This is Mark Hanna we're talking about. Oh, not not on the same level. I, I've thought about him as a sleeper hitter for this week, and I thought about reinserting him with the Sunday update after he had that two-homer game, but he he sits like every third game for the Mets. Yeah. You know, it's just not consistent enough playing time, even if even if you wanted to buy into the production, which overall has been pretty marginal anyway. Let's take a look at Shea Langoliers who is off to a nice start here so far with the Oakland A's. He is their catcher prospect that they received in the Matt Olson trade. He's been playing a little bit of catcher, DHing for the team, and he went three for four on Sunday. He finished a home run short of the cycle, and early on he's batting 316 with a 1037 OPS. He's batting 316 with a 300 on-base percentage, so (laughs) that's always interesting to see. He does not have a single walk, and... He has nine strikeouts so far in his first five games, uh, but yeah. he's hitting the ball well, Scott. What do you think about Che Langoliers you know, versus some of these other you know, top 15, 16-ish catchers like Cabert Ruiz or a Christian Vasquez? Would you rather shoot for the upside with Langoliers? Yeah, I was surprised how high I ended up putting him in my rankings when I got around to updating them. Well, maybe I dragged him back down a bit. But yeah, I think I would. I mean, especially Christian Vasquez, it's been frustrating. He's he's had a rebound season, but then he got traded to the Astros and they, Dusty Baker's treating him like a backup catcher. I don't know. I, I thought he was going to replace Martin Maldonado, uh, but apparently not. So that that makes Langoliers pretty easy to to move him uh to move Langoliers behind or to move Vasquez behind. But that is more where where I'm ranking Langoliers is more the nature of the position than than how I feel about Langoliers. You mentioned a lot of strikeouts, uh, and you know this kind of goes to what I was just saying about Brett Beatty. It, this small of a sample, one game, will definitely change the complexion of the stat line, and that happened here with Langoliers on Sunday. Entered the game batting 200, on base percentage of 188. You know, and then he goes three for four, and it's a good game. But I don't know. Catcher's a bad position. You find you you see some upside there. If if you're unhappy with your current situation, okay, go ahead, grab Langolier, see how it goes. But I think it's I think it's going to be a bumpy ride. Do you have any interest in these deep league outfielders, Scott? Uh, A gentleman named Alex Call was promoted by the Nats this weekend. He picked up a home run and a steal. He's a 27-year-old outfielder, third-round pick way back in 2016, but he was enjoying a pretty good minor league season, 292 batting average, 13 homers, 9 steals, a 944 OPS. Uh, Ben Gamble had six hits and a steal this weekend for the Pittsburgh Pirates, and he's having a good August. He's hitting 313 in the month, one homer, one steal, 15 RBI. And then Harold Ramirez for the Tampa Bay Rays had seven hits this weekend. He's now batting 337 on the season. And Scott, mm-hmm. I know you do have the Rays as your second best hitter matchups this week. Uh, what do you think about these three? Ramirez, Ben Gamble, and Alex Call. Yeah, Ramirez was pretty hot before he got hurt, if I remember the the fact he doesn't hit for much power, you know, it, it limits his upside clearly. But uh, he might be worth using in a week with good matchups like this. And well, I swing in a hot bat, obviously. I think if yeah, I, I think he's I think he's the most relevant for fantasy. Clearly, is is Harold Ramirez. The other two would just be for really deep leagues. But Alex Call is m- the more interesting between him and Ben Gamble. 
kind of reminds me of uh, Connor Joe getting the call last year for the Rockies, looking at the minor league track record. A lot of walks for a call down there. He's reaching base. Uh, well, his on-base percentage was 423 with a near one-to-one strikeout-to-walk ratio at AAA this year. And uh, some pop. And remember last year, Connor Joe was showing that pop at the major league level. And, and you and I kind of liked him coming into the year mm-hmm. because of that. And, and obviously the power hasn't played out the way we hoped with him. And it that would be my big concern with Call as well. And, and so far he hasn't contributed much for the Nationals. But I, I think at least he's worth monitoring because those on-base skills are so good. All right, the rest of the names that I have in deeper leagues from this weekend, Eli Harris Montero, he's playing every day for the Rockies. He had three homers, including a double dong on Friday. Rodolfo Castro had a sock and a shoe for the Pirates on Saturday, his third home run and his third steal in 33 games played this season. And then Kesson Hira went two for four with a double dong on Sunday. The problem, he started just three of the last five games for the Brewers. Uh, anything with this with this group, Scott, in deeper leagues? I mean, I'm kind of interested in Montero, but the strikeout-to-walk ratio has been awful. Like, both individually, they've been bad. So, you know, he, he is hitting for some power. He plays half his games at Colorado. He's getting a good amount of playing time. But I, I don't think I'm to the point of picking up Elahiris Ella Montero yet. Oh. I would be interested in Hira. Okay. If if he played more. But I, I just don't see much opportunity for him to play that much more. Yeah, fair enough. All right, let's take a quick break and we'll get to the news and notes here on Fantasy Baseball Today. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. The chilling new original docuseries on Paramount+. Plus. Why did he kill his family? The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. The news and notes. Mike Trout returned on Friday, as we hoped, and he picked up three hits this weekend. Please, Mike Trout, just stay healthy for the rest of the season and honestly for the rest of your career. That would be great. Bryce yeah. Harper remains on schedule to begin a Why rehab. <laughs> yeah, you know, easy as that. Uh, Bryce Harper remains on schedule to begin a rehab assignment sometime this week. And again, Sounds like they're targeting early September for his return. Shohei Otani left his start early on Sunday with a stomach bug. Doesn't seem to be a big issue. Wander Franco was pulled off his rehab assignment at AAA on Sunday after experiencing lingering soreness in his surgically repaired right wrist while swinging the bat, which sounds very bad. I mean, it's, you know, no other way to sugarcoat it. And I think they're probably going to put him on ice for now and Look, this is a prized asset for the Tampa Bay Rays. They really have to be cautious with him. And, you know, who knows when we'll see him again. I think they really, really need to kind of slow it down and take it easy with Wander Franco. Padres manager Bob Melvin said that Josh Hader will be given, quote, a little break from the closer role. Not sure how long this will be. But Luis Garcia and Robert Suarez are both candidates for save. I know saves. Garcia picked up a save on Saturday. And then it was Mm -hmm. actually Nick Martinez who picked up a save on Sunday, Scott, were you right. looking to add any of the Padres relievers in deeper leagues? I doubt Hater's going to be out of the role for long, so I don't think it's a high priority. If I was going to add somebody, Luis Garcia would be the first choice. He had worked two days in a row, which I assume is why Nick Martinez got the chance Sunday. But yeah, I don't think it'll be for long. Jazz Chisholm has yet to resume baseball activities since being diagnosed with a stress fracture in his back in late July. John Carlos Stanton started a rehab assignment on Saturday and is targeting a Thursday return uh, this upcoming week. 
So you probably don't want to use Stanton. You know, obviously, if you play in the NFBC where you can change your lineups on Monday and Friday, then you can get Stanton back in there. But uh, it sounds like he will miss the first half of the week. Nathan Avaldi will not make his next start on Tuesday due to soreness in his neck and shoulder. Definitely explains the uh, lower velocity that we've seen from him recently. Luis Severino tossed a 25-pitch bullpen session on Saturday, and he is not eligible to return from the IL until September 12th. The Yankees kind of unexpectedly moved Severino to the 60-day IL back in mid-July, so that's why uh, we need to wait until September now until Severino can return. Clayton Kershaw threw a bullpen session on Friday, could begin facing live batters this week. Taiwan Walker did not make his scheduled start on Sunday, but could start on Tuesday against the Yankees. Ramon Laureano, who went on the IL with an oblique injury recently, took 15 swings in the batting cage Saturday. So I'm, you know, maybe this is a shorter stay than we were expecting, but you know, obliques are pretty tricky injuries. Eduardo Escobar, speaking of which, uh, his oblique injury is doing really well, and he is on track to return on Friday. Scott, what do you think happens here with uh, Brett Beatty if Escobar does make his return? Well, it probably depends somewhat on Beatty's performance between now and then. Escobar wasn't hitting righties well all year. So, you know, they had gotten to a point where they were just using him against lefties and, and starting uh, Guillaume against righties. So I, I, I think more likely than not, Beatty's going to stick around. But if he's just terrible between now and then, maybe not. Scott, have you ever watched the show What We Do in the Shadows? I have not. Do you like vampires? <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know how to answer that. I, I have no objection to watching something about vampires. So it's a, it's a sitcom that's kind of filmed in the style of The Office about okay. vampires that live in Staten Island. Okay. And they have a character on the show called uh, Guillermo. Guillermo, and when you okay. said Guillaume, it made me think of him. So, um, I know new episodes came out recently. If you're interested, <laughs> Scott, in here, if you're looking for a new sitcom to watch, I, I highly recommend yeah. what we do in the shadows. The Orioles called up prospect outfielder uh, Kyle Stowers on Friday, and he has started two out of three games this weekend. And in the minors, he was hitting 264 with 19 homers and 884 OPS. And he was he is just three percent rostered, Scott. Any interest in Kyle Stowers in deeper five outfielder leagues. Deeper ones. Yeah. It seems like he's going to play a lot and he has some power. I'm overall, I'm pessimistic how it's going to play for him. He was striking out a lot, even in the minors, but you know, in those 15 team, five outfielder leagues, sometimes you just gotta, you just gotta take a shot. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Especially, and a lot of those leagues got to have like no fab left. So I put in minimal bids uh, yeah. for, for Kyle Stowers and we'll see where it goes. We're getting, we're getting outbid on like Stone Garrett this weekend. Oh man. Yeah. Don't leagues. remind me, man. I didn't get any yeah. Stone Garrett. It's, it's pretty sad, mm. but it's, it's pretty sad that you're that sad about not getting any Stone Garrett. I mean, but just, that's, that's the kind of uh, landscape we're working with in those 15 team five outfielder leagues. Don't be smirched the name of Stone Garrett, Scott. Come on. I, I would never. <laughs> Players who went to the IL this weekend, Sir Anthony D Dominguez with right triceps tendonitis and manager Rob Thompson said the Phillies will use multiple relievers to close out games. And then David Robertson goes out and gets a two-inning save on Saturday. However, he did wind up with the blown save and loss on Sunday, Scott. So mm. uh, were you mm. looking to add any Brad Hand or Connor Brogdon? in deeper category leagues? Uh, there, there were other relievers I was prioritizing over them, like Peter Fairbanks. Mm -hmm. But you know, early on, we were seeing Brad Hand split saves with Sir Anthony Dominguez. So if, if you are going to target, obviously in those deeper leagues, I imagine Robertson himself has already picked up. I, I do think he's going to get the bulk of the save chances with Dominguez out. But assuming it's a deeper league where Robertson's gone already, then, then Brad Hand, I think, would be the other one to target. Other players who went to the IL this weekend, Tyler Malley with shoulder inflammation, Yasmani Grandal with a left knee sprain, just a brutal year in general for Yasmani Grandal, Braxton Garrett with a right oblique strain, Keegan Thompson with lower back tightness, 
Yadiel Hernandez with a left calf strain, and Garrett Cooper went to the seven-day concussion IL. Scott, it sounds like, by the way, Braxton Garrett is done for the year with that oblique strain, which you know that's that's the time of year it is. Any injury, it's very likely a season ender. But I think uh, I think in his case, the Marlins have basically said as much. Mm-hmm. So you can you don't have to devote an IL spot to Garrett as good as he had been recently. Starter sit these banged up players, Scott. Jose Altuve was out on Sunday with a sore shoulder. What do you think about starting him this week? I I would think yes on that unless we hear something more, uh, you know, more definitive before lineups lock. Okay. Uh, George Springer returned on Thursday. He went five for five against the Yankees and then he missed uh, three straight with a sore knee. What do you think about him? Uh yeah, that's he's been frustrating. Three outfielder leagues probably lean towards sitting. Mm-hmm. Last one here, I have Patrick Wisdom. He's day-to-day with a strained left ring finger. It's probably just more so for deeper leagues. What do you think about Wisdom? Yeah, I mean, if you have third base alternatives, he's borderline start to begin with. So I, I, think, uh, I think you could lean against using him. All right, let's get into the return of Dustin May and, to a lesser degree, Eduardo Rodriguez after that. But Dustin May did make a strong debut against the Marlins on Saturday. He went five shutout. He allowed one hit, two walks, nine strikeouts. I think I asked you guys to predict how many strikeouts Dustin May would get. And I think you said I, I think you said nine, Scott. I said five innings, nine strikeouts, yep. Look at this guy. I nailed it. Nostradamus. Nailed it. Uh, yeah. 13 swinging strikes on 71 pitches for Dustin May in this one. And velocity, I think it was down a little bit. Nothing concerning, obviously, Scott. I mean, he did throw his curveball a little bit more in this start compared to last year. And the curve is an awesome pitch. So, um, (laughs) Dustin May... He's got a lot of awesome pitches. Sure does. He's 86% rostered. He's only 41% started, though. And he's at the Marlins again this week. I think we fire him up. Yeah, I think so, too. Interestingly, he was having starts like this toward the end of his rehab assignment. Obviously, the earlier starts were shorter. Uh, but he didn't have anywhere he allowed just one hit in five innings. So arguably, his like he, he was even more dominant against the Marlins than AAA lineups, which I don't know what that says about the Marlins. <laughs> but yeah, it, but to, uh, across six rehab starts, Dustin May had a 171 ERA, .95 whip, and 15.4 strikeouts per nine innings. So... Clearly looks healthy, and next start being against the Marlins, I think you, I think you take advantage. Damn! All right, Eduardo Rodriguez. He was very solid in his return on Sunday against the Angels. He went five shutout, gave up four hits, three walks, had five strikeouts, and he is forty percent rostered. He's at the Rangers this week, Scott. What did you see from Erod, and uh, how does he compare against the other lefties, David Peterson and Justin Steele? I'd rather have the other two. Okay. But obviously, coming into the year, Eduardo Rodriguez was regarded higher than those th- than them. And he looked good on the rehab assignment. I mean, the numbers were good on the rehab assignment. We see now that the velocity's down a little from where it was earlier in the season. And, of course, going against major league lineups, Dustin May excluded is, is not the same thing it's going against major league lineups. So, you know, I, I don't know how closely we should look into those minor league numbers for Rodriguez, but uh, we saw in this first start against the Angels, a very bad lineup. Some reasons for concern. Three walks in five innings obviously isn't good. He only had four swinging strikes on a 78 pitches. It obviously could have gone a lot worse for Eduardo Rodriguez, but I wouldn't say I was especially encouraged by this performance given... You know, it's not like he was dominating before he went on the IL. And then he pitches for the Tigers, so he has to be really good to get wins anyway and may not get them even if he is. So it's... He's a lower priority than a lot of waiver targets right now. I'm not saying you shouldn't have added Eduardo Rodriguez, but he's he's not an especially high priority. All right, starter sit these questionable pitchers entering this week. Sean Manaya. Had a big bounce back against the Nationals on Sunday. He went seven innings, one run allowed, just four strikeouts, didn't walk anyone. Good to see there from Sean Manaya. And he had just five swinging strikes on 69 pitches. 
he only needed 69 pitches to get through seven innings. That's incredibly efficient for him. Uh, what do you think about playing him this week at the Royals, Scotty? I'm okay with it. Good matchup. Uh, it was a weird, this this weird start. <laughs> this start against Washington was weird, is what I meant to say. Mm-hmm. In that he only needed the 69 pitches, only five whiffs on the 69 pitches. He threw his sinker 68% of the time. Yeah. Yeah, it was weird. But that's a really good matchup, and uh, he's coming off a good start. So not saying Sean Manai's must start, but uh, I'm okay with it if you want to do it. Freddie Peralta posted his first quality start since returning from injury. He was at the Cubs. He went six innings, two runs, five strikeouts in that one, and he gets the Cubs again this week. I assume we're starting Freddie Peralta. Yeah, I would say so. Needs to get the walks down, but... While he, while he keeps going against weak lineups, I think we keep using him. All right. The last one here is Joe Ryan, who had his first quality start since July 1st. He was up against the Rangers. He went six and a third. He allowed two runs. He had six strikeouts. And he is at home against the San Francisco Giants this week. What do you think about Joe Ryan? I'd lean towards sitting him, even though this was a good start. It's a tough matchup. Mm-hmm. And I have noticed, you know, again, like this is his first quality start since July 1st. He's really bad third time through the lineup. So I think the Twins yeah. know that. And yeah, they, I mean, they're first six inning starts since July 1st, to be yeah. clear. Yeah. This is, um, you know, this is a pretty smart organization. And I remember it was probably like five or six years ago, they revived Jake Odorizzi's career and they didn't let him go third time through the lineup. So I think mm-hmm. this is something we might see similarly from uh, Joe Ryan. Some other pitching standouts from the weekend. Part one, we have Chris Bassett, who has allowed two earned runs or fewer in four straight. He was at the Phillies, six innings, two runs, four strikeouts there. Kevin Gosman bounced back with a strong start Friday at the Yankees. He went seven shutout with seven strikeouts. Brady Singer now has a quality start in seven of his last eight outings. He went six innings, two runs, seven strikeouts at the Rays. And then Shane O'Mac. Here comes the money. Here we go. Money talks. Here comes the money. Shane McClanahan posted his first seven-inning quality start since July 26th. He was up against the Royals, seven innings, two runs, eight strikeouts in that one. Anything you'd like to add on this group, Scott? Bassett, Gosman, Singer, McClanahan. Yeah, it was nice to see McClanahan reverse the trends of recent starts with the strikeouts and whiffs going down, and we wondered if the innings were catching up to him, and maybe they still are, but it's nice to see he still has this kind of start in him. And I think that's my biggest takeaway for these four. Brady Singer. Brady Singer's looking pretty good. Mm-hmm. Keeps it going. I went to the Yankee game on Friday and I saw Kevin Gosman. He was great. I, you know, no complaints. But the whole reason I went, Scott, was to get the John Sterling and Susan Waldman two-pack bobblehead that they were giving out. And mm-hmm. I didn't even get it. I was too late. Hmm. What were you doing, Frank? I was devastated. I like the, didn't, didn't come I, early enough. Huh? You think I want to go watch the Yankees play baseball <laughs> right now? There's no chance. Like the whole reason I wanted to go there was to get the yeah. bobblehead, and then I didn't even get it. So how um, how many games would you say you go to a year? It probably averages out to like one a month. So mm. I get out to like five or six mm. usually, five That's, or six Yankees, and then maybe like okay. two or three Mets games. So you know. Seven, yeah. to, seven to ten, something like that. Right. Which okay. Is, Just, you know. It's a reasonable amount. Yeah. I like to go. Yeah. The problem with, you know, no one cares about this, but Yankee Stadium, I live in Queens, and, like, to get home from the Bronx, it's, like, an hour and a half on the train. It's it's a mess, so it's not really that mm-hmm. fun. Uh, pitching standouts part two from the weekend. Let's get into uh, these. Kyle Wright had a strong start against the Astros after missing – um, his previous start due to arm fatigue. He went six innings, two runs, seven strikeouts in this one. Miles Michaelis has delivered two eight-inning quality starts after getting ripped in Coors Field. He was at the Diamondbacks, eight innings, one run, four strikeouts there. And then Tyler Anderson now has a quality start in eight of his last nine outings. He was up against the Marlins. Seven innings, one run, six strikeouts there. Uh, anything in with this group, Scott? Kyle Wright, Michaelis, Tyler Anderson. Yeah, I mean, Michaelis. I think we can say that awful start was just a—it uh, was just him getting coursed two turns ago because 
back-to-back eight-inning gems since then. He has picked up right where he left off before then. Kyle Wright looks like he's fine, trustworthy again. And uh, Anderson, you know, I wish he got more strikeouts. That that whiff rate on the changeup is is down to more. It doesn't look like quite such a dominant pitch anymore like it was early on this year. But I don't know. I mean, he's he's pitching well enough for the Dodgers for a team like the Dodgers that I think uh, I don't I think you don't worry about it too much. Pitching standouts part three and these four are. They were all going up against each other this weekend. It, it was part of the Astros Brave series, and they were all very good. Christian Javier now has four straight quality starts. He's providing some length. He's been a little bit more efficient. He goes six innings, one run, eight strikeouts at the Braves, and then Spencer Strider on the other side. He went six innings, one run, nine strikeouts for him. Jose Urquidy on Sunday here was also at the Braves. Seven innings, two runs, six strikeouts for him. And our guy, Charlie Morton, Back-to-back double-digit strikeout efforts. He goes six innings, two runs, 11 strikeouts for him. Anything on this group, Scotty? Javier, Strider, Urquidy, and oh, Morton. I'm just mad at myself for benching Morton in a couple of Roto Leagues. Oh, that's, that's rough. Uh, yeah, I mean, miss out on 23 strikeouts. Fortunately, just one win. I say fortunately. I would have rather him, <laughs> as a Braves fan, I would have rather him gotten the second win, too. But, um, Yeah. 23 strikeouts. I was I was looking, you know, we're at a stage of the year where you're playing the categories a little closer and I'm trying to make up ground and saves a couple of these leagues. And, you know, I was thinking maybe I was going to protect DRA and whip by benching Morton with two tough matchups, but they were two of his best starts of the year, which, you know, is great news for him moving forward. Got the ERA below four finally. Mm. It may have dropped below four earlier. But he's been mostly good for, what, two, three months now. Yeah. Right? Yeah, that is true. That is Charlie Morton. He's back on track. And our final group here, standouts part four, we've got Alec Manoa uh, at the Yankees on Sunday. Six innings, two runs, eight strikeouts there. Nestor Cortez on the other side. He went six innings, one run, five strikeouts for him. And then Joe Musgrove, yet another quality start. He was up against the Nationals. Six innings, one run, seven strikeouts to zero walks. Anything on those three, Scotty? Manoa, Cortez, Musgrove. Well, we we saw kind of the same thing with McClanahan happen with Manoa. It wasn't so stark, the slippage from Manoa recently, but it was also you know, possibly due to the, the um, uncharted territory with the innings. And, you know, just because he had a start a rebound start doesn't mean that that trend's not going to continue, but it was, it was nice to see the trend interrupted at least random pitching notes. I wanted to mention they didn't fit into a category anywhere, but cutter Crawford, if you started him this past week, I'm sorry, because he got destroyed on Friday, three and two thirds, 11 hits, nine runs allowed three of those home runs. And he wound up with negative 13 fantasy points on CBS. So uh, quite a rough start from him. And then Shane Bieber did throw a quality start against the White Sox. It was fine. Uh, but his previous starts, Scott, we pointed out the, the velocity was way up for Shane Bieber. It was like two miles per hour up on, I guess, fastball and a few other pitches. But his velocity in this one was back to his season's average. So just wanted to point that out for Shane Bieber. Some hitting leftovers. Starling Marte had a big weekend. Eight hits and two steals across four games of action. Eugenio Suarez had a double dong on Friday. He's now up to 22 home runs. And it's just quietly having an unheralded corner infield season for Eugenio Suarez. Paul Goldschmidt had seven more hits, including two homers this weekend. He is now up to 31 home runs and 100 RBI total for the season. Vaughn Grissom, two more multi-hit games this weekend, including his third home run on Saturday. He is all the way up to 81% rostered, and rightfully so. Albert Pujols, the machine. He is, he's still going. He's still kicking here, Scotty. Four for four on Saturday with a double dong. He now is up to 13 home runs for the season. 692 in his career. We've got six weeks left, I want to say. Eight homers in six weeks. Can Pujols do it to get to 700? Well, look, he has five home runs in his last five games, so I think Ah, he can do it. Let's do it, man. Let's get it. 
problem is they're still not playing him all that regularly. I mean, semi-regularly, but not close to every day. Uh, but his OPS for the year is now up to 858, so that's interesting. <laughs> like, that, Just by that measure, he, he deserves to be their everyday DH. Yeah, that is, that's awesome, man. Love seeing oh, and, it. And by the way, I don't think we mentioned it on a podcast, but um, remember I was talking about how Alec Burleson, I'm not sure he would be up anytime soon. This has nothing to do with him, but the reason I said it is it's because uh, it looked like Juan Yapez was close to returning from the IL. Well, he got taken off the IL and just optioned to the minors. Yeah. So, so Yepes, Yepes, Yepes isn't going to interfere with Pujols' playing time. There's a chance Pujols is fantasy relevant down the stretch is what I'm saying. Oh, I mean, for sure in NL-only leagues. Like, he probably should have yeah. been rostered already, but yeah. Love to see it, man. I, let's get to 700. That would be awesome. Call yep. to the bullpen. Let's take a look at the Cubs on Friday. Brandon Hughes picked up his second save, and he got the save on Thursday as well. And I thought that was just because Rowan Wick was unavailable. But you know, maybe they're moving into a committee approach. Uh, and then on Sunday, Hughes entered in the seventh inning with the Cubs up 2-1 to one at the time. He gave up a solo homer, tie game. Uh, Rowan Wick pitches in the eighth inning with the game tied, and he actually gives up the lead. So I, I don't really know what's going to happen here, Scott. Do you have a feel? My feel is Wick's probably still the one to have, but I don't like them seeing... I don't like seeing them mess around with it. Yep, for sure. On... Friday for the Nationals, Carl Edwards pitched in the seventh inning with the game tied 3-3 three to three at the time, and then Kyle Finnegan later picked up his seventh save of the season. Yeah. Seems like Finnegan is the closer I, again, I guess. Seems that way. Yeah. Yeah, I was, I, uh, I was fine dropping Edwards even in those 15-team leagues. On Saturday for the Red Sox, Garrett Whitlock pitched the final two innings for his fifth save of the season, and... Kind of feels like he should be rostered in more than 49% of leagues. What do you think? Yeah, on sites like Yahoo, I think he is rostered in a lot more. But, mm-hmm. you know, CBS having so many points leagues, it, it kind of suppresses the the roster rate of closers who aren't extremely reliable. So it may just be a format thing. All right. For the Rays on Saturday, Jason Adam pitched in the eighth inning with a 4-2 to lead. He faced the top of the Royals lineup, and then Pete Fairbanks uh, picked up his third save of the season. And then on Sunday, Fairbanks picked up his fourth save of the season. So two saves this weekend for him. He's only 19% rostered, and he is widely available. Uh, Scott, you mentioned that you were looking to add him. Yeah, well, <laughs> I was. It, it seemed like he was trending toward being the preferred option for saves for the Rays, not that they ever have a true closer, at least not in a long time. But then, yeah, then Fairbooks Banks got him on back-to-back days. Hadn't worked the ninth inning at all in August before doing so both Saturday and Sunday. So it's it's the Rays still doing their Rays things. I think I think Adam is still the preferred one to have because his other numbers are just phenomenal. But in those deeper leagues where you know every prospective save source is rostered, then I think Fairbanks is a possibility to pick up. Oh, right. For the Phillies on Sunday, we mentioned David Robertson came in in the ninth inning with a one-run lead. He gave up a two-run homer to Mark Hanna. He took the blown save in the loss. For the Brewers on Sunday, Devin Williams likely unavailable. He pitched on Saturday, and he did not pitch well. Taylor Rogers picked up the save, his 29th of the season. For the Oakland A's on Sunday, Danny Jimenez entered with a one-run lead in the eighth inning. He recorded one out, he walked two, and then he was pulled. Austin Pruitt would later pick up his first save of the season. And I think this is the first legitimate save opportunity the A's have had since Jimenez returned, Scott, or uh, maybe it's like since he's, you know, really been kind of worked into things, but I I don't know if he's the closer because he pitched in the eighth inning. So, well, he did on Saturday work the ninth and 10th. Okay. in a game that was tied and went to extra innings ended up getting the win. It was kind of like how they'd use a closer, but I, yeah, I just, I don't think, I don't think they win often enough to really, uh, 
to really have a set closer. Yeah, that is fair. Well, let's wrap up with some streamers. To stream or not to stream on Monday, Daniel Lynch versus the White Sox, Jake Odorizzi at the Pirates, Rowanzi Contreras versus the Braves, Domingo Herman versus the Mets, Jeffrey Springs versus the Angels, Cole Reagans at the Twins, and Drew Smiley versus the Cardinals. All right. I'm going to say Jeffrey Springs is the top choice here. I don't hate Daniel Lynch, but it's a stretch. I, I think Jeffrey Springs is the only one I really want to recommend. Yeah, if I had to choose one of the pitchers I don't think are great but have good matchups, I would probably go with Oda Rizzi at the Pirates, but eh, okay. you got to be pretty brave. And you know what they say. Fortune mm. favors the brave. Mm. On Tuesday, we have Adrian mm. Sampson versus the Cardinals, JT Brubaker versus the Braves, Austin Voth versus the White Sox, Nick Lodolo at the Phillies, that is Jose Suarez at the Rays, Ross Tripling at the Red Sox, and Aaron Savali at the Padres. Well, it's obviously not a great matchup, but I think Nick Lodolo is my top choice here. He His previous start was against the Phillies also, and it went very well. But he's got to keep those walks down. I don't hate Austin Voth against the White Sox. I like him a little more than Daniel Lynch against the White Sox but it's still not something I feel great about. Yeah, no, I agree with that. The White Sox do struggle against righties and they're very good against lefties. So if you're choosing between those two, I would go with Austin Voth as well. We're going to wrap there for Scott. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.